sometimes if I have an idea I'm like oh I like that I wonder if anyone else would like that and then one audience really likes it and then another audience just hates it you know and that's kind of good it means that there's no way that I'll ever be able to become this hugely confident being you know (laughs) and um, I'm never oh well fingers crossed there'll always be just enough people to pull me up to the kind of midpoint of being okay hello i'm dave i'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together i need to get better please make me better i want to get better 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 acquainted with you today we're getting better acquainted with rob hello rob Hello, how are you doing? I'm all right, yeah. I mean, it's a weird thing uh, on this show. I always sort of say, like, you go from having an actual conversation to, like, stopping, and then, like, we're officially having a conversation and we have to introduce ourselves when we've literally been talking for about 20 minutes. Yeah. About all sorts of things. Yeah, I know, yeah. And now it's kind of... The projection in voice has changed. Right, right, right. Well, I'm hearing it in a different way because I've got these headphones on now. So... Anyone who's listening, Dave has got a pair of white headphones on. That's right, white o- headphones. Overhead. They used to, I used to have red ones, but they broke. But yeah, I've always had headphones that have drawn too much attention to themselves, I guess. Do you, do you wear them for listening to music as well? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I like, I like obvious headphones, because when I'm walking through the world, I don't like to be interacted with by strangers. Oh, OK. So uh, I think that headphones is going to stop that from happening. But a little bit like how there's been that article this year about women wearing headphones are still having men hitting on them and harassing them regardless of the fact they've got headphones on I found this a similar thing right. like uh, people come up to me all the time and talk to me even though I'm wearing headphones and like ask me directions all the time because of, even though I'm wearing headphones so what don't you want to give people directions I don't mind it but I never know I'm never I'm never in a place where I know the area when I'm asked for directions okay, I don't yeah. know about you I mean I'm, I, I, I always really want to help them but I don't really know like I like I don't want to give them false information just because I want to give them yeah, some help yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah that's true and I've definitely like on moments of thinking oh yeah I do know something giving people directions then as soon as they've left I've gone oh fuck no that yeah, was yeah, wrong yeah, and then yeah. like do I chase after him yeah I mean it's not that I don't like people I like people yeah. but I like to choose kind of when to interact with them and also you know when you're walking down the street certainly in London and well not anywhere really you don't know if the person coming towards you is going to be a nice friendly person or someone who's going to give you a bit of grief yeah and I don't really like a bit of grief in my day if I can help it I'll avoid a bit of grief mm. yeah I, I when I if someone asks me for directions I I don't know I'm always instantly kind of apologetic even if I do know where to send them you know? <laughs> right 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 and I'm just like oh, please you know but I don't know, I'd love to be a person who kind of walks around thinking, ask me, you know, but... Uh, yeah, me too, I'd love to be that person, but I'm not, you know, so I've got to accept yeah. it. I guess, what what's that? Uh, I don't... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to go with something there, Rob. No, I wasn't. This is going to happen quite a lot in that's this podcast. That's all right. That's all right. I mean, and that's... I mean, I might, I might cut some of that out. 
because uh, I kind of cut cut stuff in terms of making the flow work. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at the same time, it's perfectly reasonable to like start a thought and then not know where it's going. Like, yeah, well, this is the problem. Is it's I often feel like I've got something to say and I start and then I just can't find the words to um, do it, you know. Yeah. And, um, that that does happen quite a lot and it's quite irritating and I'm trying to get better at it and I'm trying to uh, read more and pra- not. I don't, it's not like I practice talking in my house to my, you know, but uh, I do. I've been thinking, right? Come on, you know people who are really articulate yeah. and um, can just go at a conversation and dominate someone, even if they're like, if what they're saying hasn't even got any substance, but they're so confident in right. their own voice that they can just almost pin you down by the neck and oh god. But that's it. It's all just language, isn't it? But that's an interesting thing for you to say, I think, because yeah. as someone, so we'll, we'll we'll go through the 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 general start questions in a minute. But but as a kind of little like preamble to that, like you're someone who I think of as being incredibly articulate, mm. not necessarily when we have these kind of conversations, yeah. but when you make the work you make, yeah. like you've crafted the words, you've spent ages thinking of things and you, you articulate things in ways that I wish I could articulate things. You don't do it like those confident me- men generally that you're talking <laughs> yeah. about, but you do say things in a way that I can't imagine anyone else saying things like, but at the same time they resonate with me. Like I wouldn't be able to find those words but they they mean something to me and clearly to quite a lot of other people in in your audiences. Yeah. Uh well thank you. Um it's it's strange that because with the work uh that I've been making is that, that is all pretty much all the stuff that I've been writing and saying is just stuff that has been coming it you know, it's just walking around and it kind of comes to, it's like, oh, like that, and just putting the words together, seeing if they mean something, and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And in normal conversations, I almost wish that I could, like, I think I would be, I don't know, like a good public speak, like I do public speaking anyway. Right. Gigs, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a good public speaker, if I could almost... Um, Approach normal life in the same way that I would approach a gig, but I mean that is that's not what life's about, is it? You can't go through life thinking, right? I'm going to try and win some uh, <laughs> applause on the street today. Right? Just with with yeah, I just I just love words and writing and but all that stuff is kind of it comes from a place that is not me sitting down and trying to write something. It just I need to get it out as quickly as I can, otherwise it disappears, you know. Right. It's not like um, I sit down and think, okay, right, I'm going to try and write something about a snail today. It's just like, I've seen this, and then I have an idea for it, and then it's there, and then it goes, and I've just got to try and grab it as quickly as I can. Yeah, you catch it as quick as possible, but you also eventually decide how to structure those different bits of words that you've got into yeah. the show. Well, I think and, maybe that's what I... Yeah, and I mean... Communic- and that's an articulate thing to do. Like, mm. I, you're, you're, you, I guess what I'm saying is that, you, that there are lots of different ways of thinking and being in the world. Yeah. And I think we have a world that prioritises people who are confident in a way that isn't helpful for anyone. 
Yeah, well, I mean, this is what's going on with the American election at the moment, I think, is that it's basically just turned into a spoken word contest between the two of them at the debates, you know. And it, a lot of politics, it's like, who's best at talking? You know? Right. It doesn't seem to be so much about the actions. It's like, who who's best at talking, you know, making a speech? It's like Hillary Benn when he did the um, speech about why, the, why we should go into... Was it? I think it was Syria, yeah. And he was just saying... Oh, it was all about ISIS, wasn't it? Well, all I remember, there was loads of two in the throwing and they had to say whether that they were going to go and um, use the brimstone missiles to right. go and... to bomb other yeah, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, Hillary Benn was started talking about fascism and how ISIS is a fascist and um, that has no place anywhere. And um, yeah, so basically, he just nailed it. If it was a poetry slam, he'd have won. And... Um, you know, I just, it's like language is so powerful and. Right. And I, I totally see what you're saying. That, okay. And I think, you know, and that's an interesting thing there. Like when you asked me which conflict it, it, that was from, like I, Ugh. I was pretty sure I knew the answer, but what happens when someone asks me a question is my mind, like to remember something is my mind goes bright white and the stress of like trying to work out where that information is makes me forget that information. Yeah, but the yeah. thing is, if I was a more confident person or myself 10 years ago when I hadn't sort of like done as much work on myself, I might have just bluffed that. Yeah. I might have just like said, like as if I knew the answer. And then later on, I'd have had to listen back and decide if I was going to put out me being ignorant or not on the, on the, on, on the internet. But yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. like taking some time over your words and not being so sure of them mm. is something I'd like to see a lot more of in politics. Like, yeah. like when you're talking about the, the US election, I mean, I w- I've been thinking for a long time, I'd like to just see a politician just get up and say, do you know what? I don't know. Mm. I don't know any answers. Yeah. You know, maybe some of you out there also don't know any yeah. answers. Maybe we should get get together and, yeah, yeah. and like actually think about what the answers might be rather yeah. than being so certain and me trying to convince you all to vote for me because I know. Yeah. Like, vote for me because I don't know. That's yeah. what I'd like to see. I'd like to well, see yeah. politicians who, who are more cautious in, in, in what they do in, in the way that they are. If you could hear a dog in the background, that's because there is a dog in the background, but it isn't me. It isn't my dog. It's upstairs. Right, and so yeah, that gives me a good opportunity to say that uh, we're recording this in your place, which is great, which is not too far away from where I used to live, like it's a few roads away, I was saying to you earlier on. Um, although when I lived in this area, uh, I was told by the uh, by the estate agents, I guess, that my address was Lower Leytonstone, um, whereas for you it's Leighton. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting, like like uh, that. I always thought when I lived here, why are they calling it Lower Leytonstone? And clearly, no one else was calling it Lower Leytonstone. Oh really? No, I, I don't reckon. I mean, this is basically Leighton, right? I mean, it's definitely Leighton. Oh, yeah, yeah. I always thought it was Leighton when I lived here, mm-hmm. um, but it's like this kind of like. People want to like try to put a little class on their thing. Like, oh, really? I think like Leytonstone, where I live now, is is definitely more expensive than Leighton, and it's definitely a little bit more well to do. Really? And, then, and there's also there's a there's an Upper Leytonstone. Some people call bits of Leytonstone Upper Leytonstone. Do they? Yeah, it's a very strange, strange little. I don't know. Class is a very strange thing. It gets it gets so complicated on the minute level, doesn't it? Like yeah, yeah, North yeah. versus South, like, and then South London versus North London, or whatever. Like, it all gets so so ridiculous. Yeah, it does. I, I was in Leighton. So I mean, Leightonstone's only five minutes uh, walk, and I went up the uh, church tower recently. Have you been up there? Oh, in the, no, I haven't been up the, up the church tower. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it's really. Um, they do guided tours. 
I was just having it hard to get out of the house on a Sunday and went and the uh, next thing I knew I was having a bell ringing lesson oh, wicked. and went up to the top of the tower I think it's where Hitchcock got a lot of inspiration for films such as Vertigo, Vertigo. and things like that right. and um, he uh, just look at it's ridiculous how close we are to the city like London looks so small when you're up there if we were out in the if we were out like in the countryside and you looked over to where the gherkin like the same distance where the gherkin is you'd be like oh yeah we can walk there and it'll only take half an hour uh, well it's, it's a bit longer than half hour I've done it but yeah. I mean it's not it's, it's certainly you know a couple of hours mm. three hours maybe um, and, the, and all of that it would be quicker if you could walk through walls and yeah, houses yeah, totally, but you can't yeah. so you've got to go in this kind of blocky way in cities so you have to like go down like stairways basically in, in, yeah. in walking yeah, terms true. but like definitely it's, it's closer to the centre than anyone thinks and I always find it strange when people talk about coming out to Leytonstone as if they're coming out to the sticks when it's like two stops from Stratford yeah yeah I mean yeah. like but anyway um, the, the first question that I ask everybody which we're getting to late but I, li- I always like a late these coming in, coming in late I like yeah. it it means that the conversation's kind of unpredictable and I like that okay. um, but the first question I ask everybody is how do you know me? how do I know you? I know you through the fringe right? right um, <laughs> and uh, oh maybe I did stand up tragedy before the fringe you might have done. I definitely because I I was hearing your name for a long time before I knew anything about your work. Like yeah. people, people have been. You just cropped up for years. Like people had said, like, have you heard of Rob Orton? And like, or Alton? And no one ever knows how to pronounce your name. Orton, <laughs> like the uh, Doctor Who mannequins. Right, right, right. No, I'm not saying there isn't a, a standard <laughs> pronunciation, but your name popped up for ages, so I don't know if I booked you for stand-up tragedy early or not. I don't know. I I, I seem to remember, like, the first time I, I felt like I really met you, mm. I mean, I might have booked you, you might have performed at my night before yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. was uh, the first year that stand-up tragedy went to Edinburgh, because we were in the same venue, mm. and we basically turned up at the Banshee Labyrinth at the same time with posters to oh, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, sort yeah, all yeah, that yeah, stuff yeah. out, and yeah. we actually had a, like actual conversation like to <laughs> two the, human beings. Yeah, on the day before. Right, right, right. Before the fringe. Right, yeah. right, the day before it all started, and you had like really, I think, was it, was it the... It wasn't the sleep. It was the face show, maybe that year. I don't okay. know. I'm not sure. Uh, no, it might have been the, the the water show. I don't. I, yeah. I'm. 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 I've, every show I've seen of yours, I've loved. But I. I. I, I admit now that I'll probably get been, it in chron- it might have been the Sky order. Show because that was Sky. Right. It was the Sky Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the Sky Show. That's right. And you were like going around and putting interesting posters, like a map and stuff like that. You'd mm. really thought through. I thought the. Uh, the, it's it's a funny thing because you in a way you could it looked like you'd thought through your marketing you could say if you were being like using an, an annoying word yeah but also what I liked about it is it was really human mm. what you're doing it was like handwritten and personal which is what I love about your work generally it appeals on a wide to a wide group of people I I hope and think but it is also really personal and like not not cynical um, which you know and meeting you. Uh, was a surprise to me, I guess, because like people took of you, like <laughs> like you're like the wizard, the grand wizard no, of the they, spoken no, word. They they, they actually no, they do. I mean, not in a, not, some of them do. Obviously, yeah, no, exactly, you know, yeah. some people don't. But <laughs> there's definitely a lot of people like who are, and I'm one of them who like really appreciate appreciate your work and think of it as kind of magical. But yeah. you know, 
in he, in real life, you're just a human being, and like yeah. I liked, I was like, wow, he's he's like me. He doesn't really know how. To, <laughs> like he's, he's he's a bit nervous about oh, this mate, and all that have, stuff. You yeah. should have been at my gig. Uh, not before last Jesus Christ <laughs> they certainly didn't think I was a wizard right uh, but that is part and parcel of it which is great you know because uh, it's you know sometimes if I have an idea I'm like oh I like that I wonder if anyone else would like that and then one audience really likes it and then another audience just hates it you know and that's kind of good it 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 means that there is there's no way that I'll ever be able to become this hugely confident being, you know. <laughs> and um, I'm never, oh well, fingers crossed, I'll never be like. There'll always be just enough people to pull me up to the kind of midpoint of being okay. Right. Um, but it's just about trying to create the work isn't it but that you know those those days um, just before the fringe starts when everyone's kind of putting their posters up in the in the Banshee Labyrinth that is a free fringe venue that um, I've performed in <laughs> for the past five years in a kind of cave underground yeah. very dark and kind of strange yeah um, I love that because people it's the kind of the calm before the storm, isn't it? and everyone's there putting their posters up, and yeah. everyone's bricking it, and um, it's so it's on the Friday, and the fringe starts on the Saturday, and then you're going to be doing it for three weeks or whatever. The fringe is a is a strange thing as well, and like having done it a few years in the same venue as you, so we've seen each other quite regularly, and yeah. you sort of like you get to sort of like have people who you sort of regularly check in with during yeah, the yeah, fringe, yeah, yeah. like seeing how you're both doing and all yeah. that, and like. I've always like I've considered you one of those people the last few years. We've sort of quite sometimes sort of sat, sat in quiet moments when I've been like smoking a cigarette and you've been like just standing there or sitting there yeah. and like just taking like those those moments of silence are so rare in the fringe. Yeah, yeah, like, you yeah, just yeah. have those kind of little moments. <clears throat> yeah, there is a lot of noise up there, isn't there? And I've, and it's been interesting to me because I think would it be fair to call you an, an introvert? Would you identify with that? Um, yeah, um, more. If you'd have said, I think of you as an extrovert, I would say, no, <laughs> right. I'm not an extrovert. Um, introvert, mm, depends really. Well, I mean, I define as an ambivert, which means you're a bit of both and you kind of shift between the two. It depends what situation I'm in. I like having a good time and um, <laughs> having a laugh, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> not to say that introverts can't have a good time, but um, I like, uh, I do, I think... I do like being around people, but I, if I'm around, like anyone, if I'm around people too much, you just start, you know, your ears start to bleed, don't they? And you just need to be on your own for a bit. Well, I don't know if that is like anyone. Like, I think that might be proof that you're an introvert. Introverts do like people too. They just get their energy from being on their own. <laughs> introverts that's like the, people too, yeah. That's the idea. Like, an introvert gets energy from being on their own. Okay. And an extrovert gets yeah. energy from other people. Is that true? Yeah. That's the kind of definition that Susan Cain uses in her book, Quiet. My partner's an introvert, so she's dead into introvert stuff. And she's like, and Susan Cain uh, like talks about how society's really designed for 
uh, extroverts and how there's like a kind of bias within society, uh, in which means that you know people are rewarded for being extroverts, but they're not re- rewarded for this for the qualities that introverts have. Right. But I found like knowing you up there, like I, I like I say, I'm an ambivert. I think like I do sometimes get energy from people and sometimes get energy from being on my own, and mm. I need both. But I was really interested to sort of see how how difficult in lots of ways doing the fringes for you like mm. you've got to be so social so much and like you've got to give so much of yourself in your shows because you yeah, might yeah. your shows are a, a lot of fun and there's a lot of laughter in them for the audience there's also some sa- sadness and sometimes um i've certainly cried in your shows before but but like for you doing it it doesn't matter if it's a funny bit or a sad bit you've got to give all this energy yeah, for yeah. that one hour like of solid putting everything into it and you really do as a performer you put everything into it and it's just a grind for you, like, 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 even yeah, when you're no, and you're doing yeah. well, you're so successful. Like, you do really, you get good reviews, you get all of those things that people want. Mm. But I mean, it's just so hard for you. Like, why do you do that to yourself? Um, <laughs> why do I do it? Yeah, I think it's just to try to prove to myself that I'm not dead, <laughs> you know, or, and that I am alive, right? And that uh, I am going to die, and I know that. <laughs> And I'd want to try to test myself. And I'll just get a book, actually. Um, <laughs> the, um, I'm reading this book. I'm reading this book. Um, interviews with Werner Herzog. Right. And um, there's a really good bit in it where he said about why it is good to test yourself. They say, you have a reputation as someone who goes to extremes. And he says, if you give a piece of an unknown metal alloy to a chemist, he will examine its structure by putting it under great pressure and exposing it to great heat. This gives him a better understanding of what that metal is composed of. The same can be said of human beings who often give insight into their innermost being when under duress. We are defined in battle. Right. So that kind of thing, and like, I can relate to that. Yeah, I mean, just, I'm also a bit turned off by the idea of a war, like being what we do. Yeah. But I, I totally can relate to how having learnt the most by putting myself under pressure in an artistic context, like doing the risky idea, doing the hard uh, option, mm. has def- and it's definitely helped me to make stuff that's yeah. been good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the work that you do as well is often really focusing on an area of being human and then like really looking into it. Yeah. Even when it seems like it's not about being human, like water or the sky, yeah. it's absolutely about being human. I mean, would that be fair to say? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. It's all, it's, it is a hundred percent about that. And going back to what the question, why, why I do that is I think it's because I'm trying to, uh, explore things for myself. Right. With the shows, especially, giving myself a reason to think about something and try to articulate how I feel about it, whether it be... I mean, the first one was the colour yellow. I wanted to see how I felt about that because I really liked the colour yellow and I got a yellow coat and I thought... Every time I wore it, I thought, oh, I feel quite good wearing this jacket. Is it really having an impact on my mood? And it it was. And then I thought, um, oh, well, if I can write an hour show about the colour yellow, maybe... I could get really happy. And, uh, you know, that was the first time I'd done an hour show at the Fringe. And it was 
a good experience and I it was really difficult but um it I kind of got the, the taste for challenging myself every year I thought oh okay maybe I'll do it next year what can I do it about something else that I like oh yeah the sky and then faces and then water and then sleep and then the new one's going to be about hair but all those things hopefully come uh, like soaking in humanity no right. it's all about humans and well you're a human and you're looking at those ideas as well well so yeah exactly it can only ever be about the th- you that's the thing about being an artist you you hope that you can you can say things about other people but you can only draw on you as a resource even if it's you seeing other things it's still you, you yeah know? exactly yeah that's and, the limit <laughs> yeah and i'm really interested in how everyone feels about something not how they like why do we just listen to the like read someone's opinion in the newspaper or something like that if everyone just came at it from how they feel on the in, on the inside and i think if everyone well i don't know if people got up on, on stage and just said how they felt instead of trying to be funny or whatever right that would be really interesting, wouldn't it? It'd be a different different world, but just going up, like, say there's, like, a guy who's been doing scaffolding all day and he's going to do a... give a half-hour talk about his day, right. you know, at, at seven o'clock in the evening in the theatre, and he's just like, oh, I've just been doing scaffolding all day today. Anyone got any questions? And that, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, in, yeah. And then him saying, like... Someone could say, well, what was your favourite, you know, do you enjoy it? And he's like, well, not really, but I'm doing it for this reason and this and this and just getting an insight into what people's lives are like because there's so much flipping um, guesswork going on at the moment, isn't there, of what what people are doing and who people are. And Well, that's an interesting thing as well. Like, I think the problem often with humans coming together on things as well is that people talk about their opinions rather than their feelings. Mm. So if the Trump supporters were saying, I feel completely confused and worried and scared and I don't know uh, who I am and all of these things that I think is underneath what they're doing. Yeah. If they were saying that, we could all come together on that. We could say, I, I feel that way too. Um, and then we could come together. But they're, they're not saying that. They're saying this thing, they're, they're coming up with explanations for the way they feel, which are false, based on lies or misunderstandings. Mm. We can't get together because the things they're saying are so horrible to other people that no one wants to give them a hug. No one wants to, like, see what's underneath. And I totally understand why. Mm. But, like, it would be great if we could talk about our feelings rather than our opinions, I think, a lot of the time. That yeah, would be great. D- definitely. Um, there's a really good account on Instagram that is at niche N-I-T-C-H and it's just black and white photos and then a really good quote underneath and there was one, oh, I can't remember who it's from but she was saying about how pretty much anything you anything you do to segregate yourself off is an act of violence. I feel like that, you know, I mean there's so much about there's so many people putting themselves into these little putting themselves into groups and teams, you know. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's a complicated one, defining yourself and defining your identity and stuff like this, though, because it's also important to have words to describe ourselves and our differences, because we are the same and we are different. Like, I do true storytelling nights, and they're a little bit like what you described, people getting up and talking about themselves, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. And not necessarily going for the laughs. And, like, I, I, I have every month, I don't have a scaffolder, but we have a woman who drives vans who basically tells a story about driving oh, vans amazing, yeah. once every month. Uh, to a room full of people, so that that but stuff the, probably does go on a lot. Yeah, but those. But the thing is, I always say about true stories is it's the it's the specifics that make it universal, and I yeah, think that's the case with your work. Like you talk about you, you talk about your own outlook, and you get so specific, and then it widens out as the show goes on. Generally, to like this this sense of all of us together and how we're all connected. Mm. Um, and I think that's the that's the thing. There's a Niels Bohr quote, who's a physicist. Um, which I'm always harping on about, so listeners will will probably be familiar with it, but it's there's trivial truths and there's profound truths, and the opposite of a trivial truth is a is a lie, mm. but the opposite of a profound truth is a profound truth, like they're both true, and I think that's the that's the thing like with with identities with 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 putting ourselves into boxes yeah that is both the thing that is terrible for all of us, yeah. but also it's a really important thing that will help us come together. It's both of those things at the same time. Mm. Like it's really important if you're gay to be able to say, I'm gay, yeah. but ultimately sexuality shouldn't matter. Yeah. But within the world we're in now, it's really important to be able to self-define. So it's really complicated, all yeah. of these things. But I mean, I think you, there's a lot to that as well. Like that both these things are true. Like this, it's really hard to be able to say that these days. People don't like the idea of two things both being true. They don't like it. No. <laughs> so what? Two two things what? Well, it's in physics. Is is It comes from uh, quantum physics where it's been found that a particle can both be a wave. It can be both uh, a particle and a wave or something like that. So it's like, it depends on how you look at this this thing, yeah. what it actually looks like, but it's both of those things. Okay. Like there's been tests to show it can be both those things at the same time. Right. And he, he took that out from that and made it a more philosophical argument. So the, the, uh, the, the example I always give is humans are the best, humans are the worst. Both yeah. of those things are absolutely true. Yeah. And they're, they're the opposite of each other, yeah. but they're both true. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, um, Trump is a bad guy, and that is probably, you know, that's true. And the opposite of that is Trump is a great guy. That's not true. That's a lie. Well, yeah, this is, that's the dangerous thing, though, isn't it? Because What's bad mean, I guess? Yeah, and, I mean, if you met him, <laughs> and he, he made you think that he was a great guy... You, and you go away going, no, 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 he's really bad, he's really bad, he's really bad. But he was great. No, he's really bad, he's really... No, I don't know. I mean, I think that example works for a lot of people in power. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't think it works for Trump because he's so... Um, I, I, I can't understand someone going and hanging out with Trump and going away going, oh, yeah, he's a great guy. He was so, like, horrible to everybody. And, but like, he, might have been, he might be really nice, you know? Well, I think it's important for artists to ask these questions yeah. uh, about okay. humanity and say, like, we're all like, and look at the, uh, look at the the beauty behind Trump. Like, I was very offended in lots of ways by those um, statues of Trump showing him as like without his without balls, you know, yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. artist made, which I thought, you know, there, a lot of people said 
uh, how that was kind of offensive to people who were intersex or trans to have that kind of be a, a laughing at him. Yeah. And I, but I also think it's offensive to men to say that we need balls. Like th- th- this idea of having balls is a problem in itself. Like you're being like Trump. He thinks people have have to have balls to be strong. Yeah. Um, but also it was kind of a fat man that we we're laughing at and fat people get a lot of laughs unnecessarily in society already leveled out. So I think there's something to remembering that Donald Trump's a human being. I, I just can't I just can't bring myself I'm not a good enough person at this moment. I can't bring myself in this moment to say that about Trump. Because yeah. he's too much of a threat. Like uh, it, ten years time I'll remember his humanity. It's really hard for me to see it that way at this moment. Yeah. It's been yeah. a lot more about Trump than I thought it No, well let's yeah I'm not you know we shouldn't but, really give him the airtime. <laughs> so that was the first question. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, the second question, which I think is really interesting, because because people will already have an idea about this, but I'd really like to know what you would say. Uh, is what do you do now? What do I do now? Yeah. What do you mean during the day? Well, you can answer that question any way you like. Some people will describe their day or literally describe where they are. That's what do that's... I do now? Well, it's interesting that. Well, is it interesting? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Um, um, I what do I do now I was I read an article yesterday that was about um, the Real Madrid footballer Gareth Bale who was just signed a new contract with Real Madrid and according to the BBC website he will earn £350,000 a week after tax okay and I when I when I read that I thought okay right so um, he plays football and gets paid that much and then I've done a piece about this before about when I was working in the art shop trying to think about what my if I had the perks of a footballer's job in my job in the art shop but this one was more about um, what do I do during the day in order for me to get money right. What is my job? Right. And so what do I do now? Well, when we finish this podcast, I'm going to... I'm writing a new book at the moment. Right. Um, and what that involves is me going through all my notes on my phone that I've made and scribbled down and writing as many as I can, whether it be... Mm, stories or short bits of writing writing them down and then putting them away and then coming back to them maybe in a month when I've forgotten them and then looking at them with fresh eyes as if I am the reader and not the writer and I find that that really helps so that what do I do now is um, that really, I think I might also go see our Daniel Blake this afternoon. I haven't seen it yet. Have you seen it? Not yet, but I want to see it. So that, uh, what do I do now? Um, I'm starting to think about Edinburgh next year. What I'm going to do, I'm thinking about my show about hair, the hair show. You know, I just saw a rat earlier, so I've probably yeah. been thinking about that quite yeah. a lot. Not in my house, just outside. Yeah. I mean, what would you call what you do? Writer and performer. Uh, I think you said... Have you called yourself a public speaker on your website? Public speaker, yeah, which is true. And basically, I just don't want to... If I, st- if I started to say what I did was poetry, 
then uh, people can be like, no, that's not poetry. But if I call it writing, then people can say, that's not writing. And Mm. I say, well, yeah, I think you'll find it is. I mean, what about the word comedy? It's a category that some people will sometimes put you into. I would well, imagine. yeah, and I put myself into that category with the Edinburgh shows. Indeed, and it's wise to do that because it's part of the reason you get big audiences. I think is because you uh, call yourself comedy, um, <laughs> because people like it gives people permission to go and see weird shows if you, if you call it comedy. If you if you if you don't call it comedy, people are like, there's two barriers to it. They're they're, they're like, oh god, it's theatre or spoken word. But and you know, obviously, there's a lot of preconceptions about those words that people want to avoid but there's also this thing of like oh it's comedy I can go to a, like men particularly I can go to see comedy yeah. yeah yeah there'll be some laughs it'll be it'll be a laugh and then you know if they come out having had a spiritual experience uh, which I feel like I've sometimes had when I go to see yeah. one of your shows uh, all the better but but comedy is a good word for selling it I guess um, yeah I mean I do do a lot of comedy nights yeah and uh, <laughs> but I do you also a, do, do a lot spoken of word gigs. nights. I do, yeah. And um, but it's all the same thing. It's you know, if I think uh, humour is you know, stand-up comedy is a difficult, difficult thing to be good at, and I have certainly haven't mastered it. I'd love to be able to, to uh, go to a the clubbiest club that there is full of stag and hen parties and people who are just all over the place but absolutely nail it, you know. And seeing someone like, you know, that Peter Kay top of the tower, Black, the Blackpool gig, he's just destroying that room. And it's so... I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, this is so funny. And... But it's it's a it's a different skill because people are coming at it. I I mean I did a gig in Canterbury on Saturday night and um, it was a comedy night and I was on first and um, I was doing all my stuff that I would say is quite tried and tested, but still falls on its ass and they're like what. What is the what is this? Right. What are you? Yeah. And, it's a question um, people often ask. And you just go about your work. <laughs> and I just say, well, you know, all I want to do is stuff that I find funny and I want to see if anyone else finds it funny too. Or interesting or because all the ideas I have, I say them I feel like they the ones that get through from me where I think, okay, right that deserves to be said again and kind of captured. So, so I had an idea about remember, like, oh, remember's a good name for a month. Um, maybe there should be a new month called remember. How would people remember that there's a new month called remember? <laughs> Probably with the rhyme, remember, remember, the month of remember. <laughs> and uh, I, when I had that, I was like, oh, I've, I think that's funny. That is funny. Um, but a lot of the time it isn't, you know. But it's it, not funny to everyone. No, exactly. But the thing is, you've got to stick with what's funny to you. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, there's so many 
things that I say on, and they are on, I know that they're only funny to me and there's bits in my notebook now that I know will not get through I'll, I'll show you some of it actually um, some of it that well, maybe, uh, well, I mean, some of these ideas, um, and then you've got to try and think about what, like, what is this, uh, thing about, um, spinning bees, I like the idea of bees spinning, lamb, lamb shandy fluff is foam. I don't know what that is. Right. But that sounded that when I, I remember being in the pub and thinking like of a lamb shandy and the fluff of something about like the lamb being the drink and the fur being the But you see that is I know that that will never become anything. Well it certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't be a killer in a comedy club. No, it wouldn't as, as no. a punchline. And then But a but yeah, go on. But there is a there is a filter. It has to be quite. Str- it can't just be. It has to have one foot in reality. The can't. It can't just be. Weird. I don't just want to do weird work. I want to do something that people get something from. Otherwise, you're just wasting people's time. You know. And right. that is something I don't want to do. Right. If it's all right getting up at a comedy night and sticking to your guns, but those people have paid money, and they're out on a Saturday night and they've come to a comedy night, you can't just do it for yourself. You've got to do it with the audience in mind. Absolutely. Because otherwise you're just being selfish and you almost owe it to them. Well, you do owe it to them. You, you've got to try your best and be the best you can, but you've got to remember that they are... You, like, res- respect your audience. Otherwise, you may as well... You've just got to really... Just try and give something to them. And it can't just all be for you. It's got to be a shared thing. And that's when the best gigs are the best, is when you when you start off in a position at the start of the gig and you pick the audience up at the start and carry them to the end. Mm-hmm. And you've all gone to the same place together right. and you all come away from it and you're like, we've just had an experience... And it was as special as it was for me, the performer, as it was for the audience. Right. I remember a gig in Brighton that I did for the Yellow Show. And um, the audience were just... It was almost more like a workshop. Um, the, the amount that they contributed to the show was just ridiculous. But it was one of the best gigs I've ever done because they were everyone's barriers were just completely down it wasn't it wasn't me just being uh, I was still kind of holding court but everyone felt so safe in the space right but also they had confidence that I could be funny right um, and it's that connection that I've enjoyed about your gigs as an audience member like at the the end of of some of your shows there's kind of been these moments where I feel like everyone in the audience is really kind of combined together and I know that different days you'll have yeah, a different experience God, yeah, yeah. of that so you will often come out of a gig that I've felt that 
um, as an audience member and be like, oh, I didn't manage to connect with everyone today because you didn't because it'll be like me and my part of the audience will feel connected, but actually the whole audience maybe didn't. Yeah, but totally, but like yeah. for me in that part of the audience, it doesn't matter. That's the experience I've had in my little yeah. little bubble in my my point of view and it it is that kind of sense of you bringing us all together and that's what people mean like when this idea of i mean i don't know if people even use the word wizard that's probably a word i've chosen to use but that's what people are talking about of like this uh, this thing you can't describe what it is it's like some kind of chemical reaction or some kind of magic spell and everybody is suddenly these walls that are there between people Mm. have suddenly gone down and we're all like yeah we're humans together Mm. like whatever whatever it is like our bodies are made of water or Mm. we've all got faces or you know we all have some relationship to the idea of of yellow Mm. like it doesn't matter like which of those things that you choose to do ultimately gets to this same place I feel like of like that connection right between the audience and you yeah so when it works it's great for me (laughs) yeah when it doesn't and I come away from it I'm like oh there's it's really difficult. Yeah. Um, I know I've seen you in those moments sometimes. Well... Coming out of the room and I mean, I say difficult. It's not like I'm working a flipping 15-hour day. No? Doing, you know... um, It's it's emotionally tough, but I mean, it's still... I'm still getting to do what I want without making any compromises whatsoever. I mean, that's a good distinction, but it's still in the moment. It's still... Yeah, no, it's it's still difficult because, especially with this last show that I did, the sleep show, um, it's hard... It was difficult because I was talking about... um, Just, like, anxieties at the end and, like, preferring to be asleep and being awake and going through some dark times of... You know, just... I know everyone goes through it, not wanting to get out of bed... Um, preferring to be unconscious and conscious or whatever. Right. And um, when you're when you're saying that, and you're you're talking about why why are you becoming more um, withdrawn in social situations, and um, you you used to be um, so connected and. Now, it, now it's like you're falling asleep at the wheel of your own life, and I, when someone's there and they're just like completely not engaging what you're saying, right. and you're trying so hard to connect. Yeah, yeah. But that's the problem: is that when you try hard, right, and people see that you're trying, yeah, they're like, yeah. "Get a grip, mate!" I came either because my, my mate said it would be good. Or, and that that is one thing that I'm really trying to um, master is being able to keep going with a gig even when you know someone is hating it. Right. And, you know, um, because like you say, with the, with the, there's pockets of the audience that will be really into it. Yeah, yeah. Um but as Louis C.K. was saying about his shows at Madison Square Garden, um, how many, I don't know how many people, there's like, uh, um, I don't know how many people you get in there um, to misquote him, say he was saying like there's 5,000 people and there's going to be at least 1,000 who aren't enjoying it. 
and oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and he was saying that you can't help but focus on the faces that aren't into it, and the ones who are laughing are almost slipped by the wayside, and it's so sad that for me, I really know how that feels, but you can't. I'm I'm trying to learn how to just keep keep going because wait if people see that if they kind of smell blood yeah, yeah. the audience they you know they they're going to be like no you don't deserve my attention you know you you you've you've just not you've not won me and because you have looked at me and you've seen that I'm not enjoying it and you focused on that I'm out. But if you just keep going, right. you can win people back round. Mm-hmm. It's can. just that... It's hard, though. As audience... <laughs> I know what it's like being in an audience, obviously. Uh, you just... You have bits in a show when you zone out. And there's very few shows that I've been to where I'm in it all the time. And just... I'm a really bad audience member anyway. My face... Uh, is kind of sad when really I'm okay and I'm <laughs> yeah, enjoying yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And this is the problem is I remember doing a gig in Southampton and uh, there was a guy on the front. Every, it was a, it, I feel like it was a gig that went well. But there was a guy in the front row who had been looking at me like he hated me from the get-go and I just couldn't look at him the whole time and um, afterwards, he came up and said, oh, man, I've had such an awful day today, but that was really good. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. And that kind of told me just to wait until you get to the end. And then... Yeah. I mean, that corresponds with my feelings. I, I, I definitely find it similar to you. It's hard not to focus on the people who aren't enjoying it when I'm doing whatever I'm doing. Mm. Um, but there's been so many times when I've come off stage and I've thought that went terribly and I've been like, oh, beating myself up. And then someone who's c- has come up to me who I thought was one of the people who weren't enjoyed it and say, oh, that really worked for me or whatever. And I, I'm, I almost want to say, what are you talking about? You're lying. I've seen you. I've yeah, seen yeah, you yeah, not, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I don't yeah. want to say that because it's not true. They're, they know their experience better than me. Yeah. Like it's so weird that thing though because sometimes you can, because sometimes you have those experiences where it all gels and it works and it's and it's brilliant and you come off stage with such a high yeah. and it like flows over into your life and you actually feel happy uh, yeah. off stage for a few moments of yeah, time yeah. Yeah, yeah. like then like that kind of becomes like part of the problem because when it doesn't go quite as well you judge it so much harsher than you need to I yeah think. man well it's it's like having this spectrum isn't it of the more gigs you do right say if you've got a a table of 300 gigs and the one at the top is absolutely smoking right and the one at the bottom is as bad as it gets say the one that is kind of would have been your best gig five years ago you you come off and you're like I know I could have done it better right 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 and um uh yeah I mean, how did you come to be doing this with your life? Like, like, where, how did it? Where, like, when did when did words or speaking or making people laugh? When did that happen? Um, well, when I was at school, art was always my thing. Right, that was the first I loved drawing. 
Because there is that to all of your work. Yeah, I love drawing and painting, and it was kind of um, the... It's the only thing that I've got any... I can... I can... When I was at school, I would draw stuff and show it to the teacher and get a good mark. And that feeling of um, going... I think it was... It's almost like a thing of, oh, I think this is good. I'll show it to someone else to see right. if it's as good as I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, or if anyone else gets the enjoyment from it, what I do, not saying that it's good or not, but um, that... So it was the art side of things that I really could go into and that was it and then I went to art college and then I went to university and did graphic arts and that was more of a creative course we just got a brief and you had to answer the brief over the course of six weeks um, and that was all about ideas it was just all about concepts and at the end of uh, the term we'd have to do a presentation and I started doing these presentations and was always really nervous but I quite liked it standing up in front of all the course and I'd try and make the presentations interesting and funny or whatever and then when my course finished I thought oh I like having ideas and creativity and trying to be a creative person who needs them who needs those people? And I thought, oh, advertising. I'll move to London and try and get into advertising. And um, we're sending <laughs> bits and pieces off to people and wasn't getting anywhere. And then um, my dad phoned me up and said, um, he's a plumber, or was a plumber, he's retired now. He was saying, uh, oh, uh, the plumbing merchant's where I get my pipes from. The guy who runs that, his brother-in-law runs an advertising firm. And um, why don't you send them your stuff? And because I had a tiny bit of an in there, I sent them my thing and then they said, oh yeah, come in for a meeting. And it turned out that it was like the perfect place. And they said, oh, you can do two weeks work experience because it was really creative. There was a lot of people from the top agencies but had gone and made their own smaller agency. And one of the people who was the creative director it was Martin Galton who runs... Bang said the gun, the poetry night I hope right. to run. And um, so when I started working in advertising, I'd get briefs for like House of Fraser 50% sale. And I'd do like cartoons of worms saying, <laughs> you know, just mad crap that the client would never ever buy. And um, would always have these ideas that were always really weird and no one would ever buy them. Um, and I did get some ideas through but I started to have notebooks and fill up fill them up with um, ideas that I wanted to have and there was no one who could say no that's not good or that's not that's not right for the brief and then I started to fill the notebooks up and then Martin said oh, I'm uh, having a fireworks party in my back garden and there's going to be some poetry. Do you want to come? And I said, well, I've been writing some stuff down in books. I don't know whether it's poetry or not, but um, it's just ideas that I want to share, that I've written down. And he was like, yeah, come along and do it. 
so I did it, stood up on his wall in front of his friends, and I was absolutely bricking it for like, you know, a week before. And then on the day he couldn't eat and everything like that. And um, there was, I did it for about 10 minutes, I think, or five minutes. And it wasn't the best gig ever, but there was some bits that did make people laugh. And I remember I did one and someone said, oh, we like that one. And um, and then Dan from Bang Said The Gun was there and he said, oh, do you want to come and do Bang Said The Gun? Um, which was a night that had been running for about 15 years. Yeah, yeah. And um, I said, yes, I'd like to come and do that. And then got a set together, 10-minute set, for, to do at the poetry night that was just the writing just reading out my writing really and then that did that and then um, uh, the first Bang Said The Gun gig I ever did was it was I absolutely loved it and then I was really looking forward to the second one really looking forward to it and I thought yeah God Rob this is so good you're going to be great this is going to be great and uh, I just died on my ass because I was overconfident and um, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. And once you start, if you start thinking that, if you go into a gig thinking the audience are going to like this, it never, right, ever, ever works. Right, right, right. That's what, that's what I've gathered anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if, you, if you're like, no one wants to see a smart ass, do they? Um, so... It's like, it reminds me of, I, I learned quite a valuable lesson when I was doing my um, driving lessons. The first driving lesson I ever had was really, you know, he picked me up in the car, took me to an airfield and was like, okay, Rob, um, you drive for the first time in this car. And um, was driving around, we'd been driving around the airfield, done a few gear changes, done some braking. Um, and he said, right, okay, um, let's go on the road now. And I was like, flipping heck, I'm not ready. And he said, oh, come on, I've got the, I've got the dual control. I was like, okay. And I did it. And uh, was absolutely buzzing after. And then he said, right, see you next week. And I was like, oh, Yes. <laughs> come on I've got this this is great and then he picked me up in the car the next week and uh, was really confident and I pulled out of the um, where my house was and uh, just went straight out into the road and pulled out in front of a van and um, he had to slam all on and the van pulled all on uh, put his brakes on and he was swearing at me and I was like oh god and that kind of taught me that never be complacent in right. a, you know just always always try to have a certain amount of I think a certain amount of worry is good um, <laughs> it's getting the balance right it's getting worry, the balance it? yeah it is because com find. confidence is so important so important with performing and anything it's like if Eminem didn't have any confidence and he was just like hey mate you know doing yeah. his rapping and uh, he wouldn't have got anywhere. Fair enough, his words are good, but it's the delivery and his packaging of it and his swagger 
and um, just his uh, is like I am going to do this and you are going to believe in me it's like when I saw Beck at Bestival a couple of years ago he just walked on and he was he was Beck you know <laughs> he was just Beck and he he did it and it was like oh, wow man um, and just trying to get that belief in yourself so I mean I, that's what I'm I'd love to get to a stage where I can walk on stage and just be like, oh. I, I, I don't think I ever will have that. There's always going to be a certain amount of doubt. But maybe that is a good thing to have the the doubt in it in the human side. Of stuff. I think I you're know. right in that respect. I think it's good to worry before you go on stage to a certain extent. And I I, I absolutely agree it's... It's when I go on the most confident that I'm going to do well that I don't do well. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. For sure. But it's, it's just a complicated thing, worry, isn't it? Like, it's it's good to worry. I feel like a lot of people need to worry more and a lot of people need to worry less. And it's like no one's worrying the right amount of worry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's the problem, really. Yeah. It's that, like getting like, that right. Yeah, being, oh, I'm, I'm worrying just the right amount at the moment. Fantastic. <laughs> um but I don't know I mean yeah what's the next question well I mean well it's, it's kind is of, it have we done well we're not quite done don't look at the time I don't let people look at the time don't you I, well I try not to because then they know to, then, then they're sort of like it's a bit like performance right they relax too much or they you know all sorts of things like, or they, if it, say it goes a bit long I don't want them to be aware that it's going long because if people think that it's going long they don't want to get boring and then they etc etc yeah, yeah, it, just, yeah, yeah. It, it just changes things if people know the, 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 the what's going on a bit like it's nicer when they just forget that the microphone's there yeah totally yeah. but uh but yeah so i was oh, it's, it's around about the time though when i sort of try and slip in uh that it's been a pleasure getting better acquainted with you uh which it has been but the fact that i try and slip it in makes it feel a little bit like insincere sometimes when i deliver it nowadays at the, in the beginning it was really sincere and now i'm like oh people are going to be like that's his catchphrase i don't want to <laughs> catchphrase but it has been a pleasure and thank you very much for letting me come to your place um, the last question that I ask everybody is do you have anything to plug and you can take that in a kind of the way that most people in the arts take that opportunity or you can take that as a wider thing for society it's really up to you um, I'm doing some sleep show dates next year um they're on my website, robalton.co.uk, A-U-T-O-N. Um, I um, We're doing Bang Said the Gun at Bloomsbury Theatre last Thursday of every month. That starts in November when we've got Molly Naylor and Paul Cree on, I think. Um, I'm bringing out a new book next year called Take Care. Take Hair, it's called. <laughs> Because people keep saying to me, take hair, you know, and uh, <laughs> I think, you know, what are you talking about? Take hair, take hair. Um, I thought that would be a good name for a book. I've got two books available to buy on my website. Um, one's called Petrol Honey and the other one's called In Heaven the Onions Make You Laugh. And I don't know when this will go out, but I've just recorded a spoken word CD, 
with Scroobius Pip and he's going to release that on his speech development records and it's called At Home With Rob um, so that'll be out soon um, it's like 70 minutes of recorded reading <laughs> performing uh, what else I think that's it have anything to plug this yeah no a lot of good stuff on the internet uh, by other people <laughs> I've been watching the Michael Moore videos of his Trump stuff that's really I love that um, and uh, the Marky Smith book Renegade have you read that I haven't um that was really yeah and I've been getting heavily into the fall uh from kind of late to the party really well very late um I've got uh, quite a few gigs coming up but they're all on my website <laughs> praise and criticism like you were saying about um getting praise for the shows well there's an equal amount of criticism oh I bet um, and that is all on there if you want to see what some of the stuff that people have said about my work um, but I like that I like the way that you always have like on your flyers all of the, yeah, well, the negative things people have said or, like I mean sometimes it's just like the fact that the person who said it uh, is someone who you like you might not respect means that the <laughs> fact that there's like they're criticising you makes it actually like yeah I'll, I'll go and see some if they're criticising it it must be good so yeah. there is an element of that but I do like the fact that you bring in like both sides, like the fact that you split an audience, you make it clear to people before they come. Yeah, I think uh, that's important, isn't it, to try and let people know that it might not be for them. Um, it's certainly not for. Uh, but I, don't, I want to. I want everyone to kind of think. I don't want to exclude anyone, or because I, I. Uh, love going to stuff that I feel like I might not enjoy and testing myself and just seeing seeing what the crack is um, but yeah what someone said devoid of all point and meaning uh, that was one quote um, <laughs> I got one this fringe that said Orton adopts the persona of an underprepared best man uh, I thought that was quite That's a good, good. One. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Sometimes when people are criticising you, they can actually come up with uh, posit- like positive. I know, yeah, no, like, it can, and it can make you, know, you because like, I'd love to. You know, I'll never get to see one of my gigs unless it's recorded, but that's not the same thing. Yeah, and, um, I once got a, a good review, but it had the line about me. Like it was a good review of stand-up tragedy, but like me as the host, it was slightly critical of, mm. and it kind of ended with like. The end descended into felt like uh, an re like an re a, 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 no assembly with a, a slightly mad re teacher. Oh really? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's what I want it to be like. That's what I want the sing along at the end of the night to feel like. Me trying to get the audience to like do this crazy thing. I mean, I wasn't too keen on the the, the mad mad line because I you know I got mental health issues and I have more complicated feeling about being called mad. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I like the idea of. Being appearing like a, a rubbish RE teacher that yeah. kind of like made I, my day in a way. 
<laughs> I did a gig at the South Bank recently for National Poetry Day and um, they had a guy doing live illustrations next to the stage and it was all being projected onto a big screen his drawings so when I was doing I did my uh, thing about Father Christmas and um, he did a real nice picture of Father Christmas and I was doing a piece about uh, the colour maroon and uh, just shouting maroon loads and um, he drew a picture of me and then wrote the word insane and did an arrow to my head you know and he seemed like a nice bloke but I just kind of you know I didn't like that. I didn't that mm. didn't really sit with me very well because that um just undermined everything and I was just like, well, wow. Is that is that cuz I don't know. I guess I'm probably undiagnosed for quite a lot of stuff. But um <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to go to the doctors. Fair enough. And, I've um, been in that position in my life before. Well, I think every you know people are walking around with all sorts of stuff, man, and they just don't know. And it's you know, it's just there is definitely pros and cons to diagnosis. I absolutely agree that there is also cons. Like it is worth for some people not getting diagnosed is a good thing, uh, and I know many people who are who have, who have that attitude, and I I support it. But I yeah. also, it's complicated. Sometimes diagnosis is useful for some people as well. But. Yeah, but I mean, I do say, um, oh, I've undiagnosed for a lot of stuff, which could be complete bollocks, right? Um, and you know. I used to think that I uh, suffered from depression. Um, But now, having been exposed to what bipolar really is... But that's different from depression. Yes, it is, isn't it? I mean, I've been exposed to... this, This is interesting. So for me... I when I was at university, a, a really close friend of mine had bipolar disorder, and and they were uh, institutionalized. And I for some time, for not like a load of time, but I went to see them, you know, in the psychiatric ward, yeah. like all of that stuff, and like saw all the people there and how terrible it was for them. And so that was really hard for me for years to admit that I had depression because I thought of depression as this like completely like different thing and I was like to call what I have depression is to undermine all of those other people's much more harder struggles and I've come to realize that no it's just a spectrum like anything else and you can be like on that spectrum and have depression but not have bipolar disorder yeah yeah and and it's okay to it's not it's not me stealing from those people with bipolar disorder to call what I have depression Mm. it's just me sort of using a word that sums up what I experience and like when you talk about the sleep show and you talk about um wanting to be asleep rather than being awake that 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 is a very good description of depression I think yeah I've met for many of many people's experience of depression well it's just sometimes I get really really up and I'm like it's almost got to a stage now where I'm cross with myself when I'm so happy, <laughs> I'm like, you dickhead, you know that the flip side of this is going to hit you in a few, in, you're like, oh, damn. Right. Just wish it could be like uh, more of a flatlining, 
I know, but the thing is, I agree. I know what you're saying, and I'd like a flatline life as well in some ways. But like, since we can't have them, it feels a little bit mean to ourselves that when we're actually happy, yeah. to sort of like be like, oh god, I'm thinking about how bad it's going to be in the future. Yeah. Like, it's a bit different if you've got bipolar because if you've got bipolar, then you're properly manic, and that's actually can be quite a dangerous state of mind to be in. Like, uh, you might do things that are bad ideas for you and you and the people around you in those. Moments. Moments. but if you're just like a depressed person who sometimes feels happy yeah. like i feel like don't don't beat yourself up yeah, about feeling it's happy it's a funny word though isn't it depression i mean right being pissed off and sad well how much is created by the world around us as well like the thing is like when we when we situate the idea of depression in ourselves mm. that can feel really weird when you look at the world and go well it's quite reasonable while I'm feeling this way in this moment in time. Yeah. Like, so I think that's definitely a thing where people situate it too much sometimes in the individual and we don't look at what's making loads of people in this country feel depressed at the same time. Yeah. And why is anxiety so much higher than it used to be in people? It can't, it's not just about people having a word for it. It's also the, you know, we've got a Tory government and that's, that makes everyone anxious. Mm. Um, well, it's just not understanding it and kind of, not um, feeling like things are completely... If if the world was great and fine and there was no, no... And none of the stuff that's happening was happening... Yeah. I'd be like, oh, come on, you know, you don't need to get up and write all this stuff and stand up on stage and just, you know, just... But it is, and... There seems to be so much chaos and carnage that um, to not be sensitive to that in some way kind of seems like that is what is causing it, you know. Because there's only the people who are just getting on with their lives perfect, going and doing it, doing it getting on with their lives and not really oh yeah you know it's bad that it's happening but it's almost as if there's a few people who are just getting away with it and the mass a lot of people just there's so many of us that could change everything but we don't and I just it's what is that is that through fear or I don't know what it is. It's just kind of... I feel like there's so many reasons. Like, there's, there's, it's impossible to even start in some ways to work out exactly what the reason is why we don't do that. Like mm, but, and what would we do? And how would it be organised? And it's just that this is the thing. I mean, I'm out of my depth on pretty much every subject. <laughs> apart from, like, the colour yellow and things like that. And the only reason why I pick subjects like yellow and the sky and faces and water and sleep and hair is because I know how I feel about those things and no one can tell me how I feel about the sky or yellow or face is or my face or water no one can say no Rob that's not right because I can 100% come at it from my point of view and be like this is it this is how I feel do not tell me because I, you know, problems with authority and everything like that. It's just yeah. with the, all that shit that's going on in that real, the supposedly 
real world is so surreal and off the hinges. It's just a wreck, a lot of it. And I just think, well, just trying to... Like, William Blake's got a thing about you've got to try and create your reality or... I'm going to misquote him, but... You've got to try and create a reality for yourself instead of being subjected to someone else's reality and try and live within their thing. So I guess it's just about maybe like being in a field and padding down the grass around you and being like, okay, right, this is my space. I feel all right in here. And then every now and again, inviting people in and saying, this is where I live, you know, this is my, this is, I I don't like it there. So I'm trying to create this for me. This is my world and this, come in, I want to show you this and I want to show you that. And some people might sit down on a bit of grass and be like, oh, I like it here, I'll come again. And other people will be like, ah, no, this isn't for me, I'm going to go over here, you know. And um, just, um, I think that's why I love art and people like David Trigley so much because he's creating his own safe space for him, you know, for himself. Yeah. And um, just showing it, showing his world to people and uh, trying to um, let people in. And Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you for letting me into your house, as I said earlier. <laughs> that's all right, yeah. And, I mean, and that's, a, a, I think, a, an interesting kind of place to, to leave things on. The, the last thing that I ask my guests uh, to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. You can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can like it on Facebook. www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk is one place you can find it. And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted. On Monday the 26th of September, I'm launching my new podcast, The Family Tree. When my dad found out about a mystery concerning a long-forgotten friend of his, I decided to investigate it in the only way that I know how, by having conversations. I can't make judgments or say anything without knowing all the facts and everything around it. It's sort of exploring each of the parameters of each potential story you're given and trying to work out how it can fit into each one of those. And I guess in a way it's all of them until until it's none of them or one of them. Mark Sullivan, who disappeared 15 years ago, was found dead in January this year when a forest was cleared for a new building development. I see the world differently, having known Mark Sullivan. You're like the the, the person who's the witness for all of them. Mm-hmm. You're you, the only yeah. thing they'll know of their dad as a as an adult. You know, it's going to be through through your eyes. I mean, I guess that's quite a big responsibility. It's, it's difficult. The body they found still had the arm and teeth that he lost in a car accident and seems to have died eight years before he disappeared. I mean, who's the dad you'd spent so much time with if your dad is a body that can't 
be the dad that you grew up with. It doesn't make any sense. Like, even if there's some other reason for that other body, he'll still have died. But whether I would have felt different if Mark had disappeared before the accident, compared to when he did disappear, I don't know. You keep talking about this mystery, and I, don't, I think... I don't know. I think someone's made a mistake somewhere. I know you don't mean it like this, but the question's almost offensive. In this podcast, I try to unpick this mystery through a series of conversations with Mark's family and friends. But I don't know, and there's only so many ways that someone can say I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's a mystery, it's just... Yeah, you said it's a mistake. There are things that I think I probably can't tell you about. But you also can't deny that it's it's evidence. Obviously, there's a difference between evidence and proof. Right. I mean, there are things you can't explain. If he turns up, he turns up. But, you know, we're fine as we are. He's not going to. So, yeah, I'm not thinking about it because... Because he's not going to. to. If ghosts do exist, I think they wouldn't look how they looked when they when they died. They'd go back to how they looked in life. So, so Dad's ghost would have an arm. And I wasn't sure what you would have perceived that as. It's interesting that now I'm sort of this far into this project, I've spoken to so many people and I still don't really have anything uh, to fill those holes with. Did Mark have a twin? Was there some sort of shady dealing on the part of the police? Was there was there a mistake in the identification? All of these questions are in the air, I think. I can't explain how that ghost then became a, a body that, that's been buried. That's a, a sort of a gap for me. I don't understand what he's talking about, how about how he doesn't want to talk about it. Right. I mean, he's got two dads, essentially. I've kind of decided to frame the show as if it's fiction. Isn't this just, like, upsetting everybody all over again? Like, it's, you know, it's not very nice. I think God does move in mysterious ways. There are things that are in some ways beyond our understanding, I think, and are nevertheless true. For more information about the show, go to thefamilytreepodcast.co.uk. It's too much for one person to puzzle out by himself. I don't have answers. I don't know.